Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now radio check. Now radio check. Four hundred. Half hour is ago. 50,000 watts. Oh, that sound is beautiful. Right. This is Bradley J. on that control. You're Jay talking live midnight to five. Bradley J. Guest Craig Fitzgerald, the best ride.com. Much anticipated car talking about cars and stuff. Thanks for having me, Bradley. Of course. We were, uh, we're delayed a week because I didn't want to come in on New Year's Day, right? Or like the day after. So, there are a couple of car shows coming up. Exactly. So, the New England or the um, North American International Auto Show is in Detroit. Uh, press days are Monday and Tuesday, but that's actually been trimmed down to a day. Uh, they're they're not doing these big multi-day releases anymore. Uh, and this is actually the last Detroit Auto Show that's going to be in January. It's going to move to June uh, next year. So weird kind of a that's a big change because it was it was falling right on top of CES, the electronic show, and it was CES was stealing everybody's thunder. They were they were doing new car intros out there, and there was nothing left for Detroit. So. They're actually changing the date. So this is the last time I have to fly out to Detroit in January, which is good. Uh, but, yep, no new Corvette this year. That's kind of the news, uh, is that uh, they were the, the 2020 Corvette was supposed to be unveiled. Mid-engine, super cool, should be a fantastic car. But there were reportedly some electrical issues with, with the, the production version. So they're actually holding that back, uh, and we don't know how long for. Is that the first year of mid-engine? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, giant a big, change. big, big change. Yeah, what's the plus and minus of that? Um, I don't think there's any minus. I think it's a psychological minus for a lot of people because the Corvette has always been a front-engine car. Um, you like to I'll, think of the giant engine up ahead of you, right? Right, exactly. And I think that they just got to a point where it was like, if we're going to extract more performance out of this, we need to put the engine in a more central location so that we can balance out the. Uh, the weight distribution and the uh, center of gravity lower that as much as possible. So does that mean that that big front end is just empty? And yeah, so it becomes much lower. Um, you 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 know the the versions I've seen of it, the front end becomes much lower, uh, much less. It's it's abbreviated. The cabin sort of pushes forward. Uh, so the passenger oh. cabin moves forward a little bit. Mm. You know, it would it it doesn't look like it, but think about the Acura NSX. I mean, that's that's basically the idea where the engine's behind you. Now you've got less car in front of you. Yeah, um, and so I that's going to change the whole vibe of the, the thing. whole thing. But it's still V8. You know, it's still going to be a V8 car. So it's you know, you still have that. Um, but part, the part of the in a different place. part of the draw is seeing all the car out in front of you. That's I what agree. I like. I agree. Although, you know, in the later, the current edition of the Corvette, that's less pronounced than mm. it used to be. And I, it's, it's unfortunate. I really like the current, you know, the current Corvette. So, uh, the NSX, which is a faster car, Corvette or NSX? That Corvette. I mean, the Corvette is a, is a brutally, brutally fast car, especially when you start getting into the ZR1s and all that kind of stuff. You know, those cars are unstoppable. Like, and it's amazing what you can get, you know, at sixty nine, seventy five thousand dollars, which doesn't sound cheap. It's not a lot of money for a car uh, today. At the low end, a Corvette is a pretty nice car for for the money, and it you know attainable for anybody with a halfway decent job. Really, do you like the NSX? I do. High tech though. We talked about that. Well, we you drove brought a car, car over, yeah. And you know that's that car is a hybrid. 
right? So it's it can you can run it fully on electric power. So it's very advanced, very you know forward thinking car. But um, and I liked it a lot, but it's very high tech, and it's it's I'm a low tech you know caveman, and I, that that's not the not necessarily the car for me. What's an example of the high tech in that thing? Well, it's I think it's that drivetrain. Uh, the fact that you've got you know uh, a V six paired with you know a, a hybrid drivetrain that combines to to deliver the kind of power that that car does, it's just amazing. I mean, and we drove it inside. It feels like any normal Acura in there for the most part, until you decide that I want to make. Bradley nauseous in the front seat. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. It's kind fast. of your, your hobby. Yeah, but it, but it doesn't feel, you know, any, that's the thing with a car today, is anything. You, know, you can buy a Ford Focus and it's got everything that that NSX has on the interior. So it's got you know navigation, it's got XM satellite radio, and and you know all kinds of high tech features that'll stop the car. It'll you know the, all kinds of autonomous features and in low end cars. So when you get the high-end cars, it doesn't really feel like you're getting all that much more except for the power and the and the performance. It's Craig Fitzgerald, and your organization is bestride.com. It's a website where you can go and find out what kind of inventory is around your area. Yep, exactly. And uh, if you're looking for something in particular, you can save a search, and uh, you'll find exactly what you're looking for. And then you can read all the stuff that yeah. myself and, uh, and uh, my freelancers are putting together. Yeah. Okay, let's get into more about the Detroit Auto Show. What else do you expect to see there? Maybe part of the excitement is what you don't expect to see there, like Ford yeah. Ford cars. Yeah, well, you know, so so Ford's got a new Explorer coming out. Uh, that's all I want to talk about at this point is SUV stuff. They're not interested in, aside from the Mustang, uh, which they'll have a Shelby GT500 there, which a lot of people should be excited about. But that's basically it for cars for Ford. Um, they're really just kind of heavily invested in SUVs at this point. The Shelby GT, tell me about that. Uh, should be fantastic. I got to look at the specs here to see exactly what uh, what we should be expecting. But it's got you know the new version of the or let's see, yep, um, it should be on sale later this year. I mean they're brutally fast, you know, five hundred and fifty some odd horsepower. Um, not quite where things like the Hellcat are, but it's a more, it's more of a, tr you know, like a track oriented car. So, um, you know, not as much of a drag car as the Hellcat is. It's meant to go around corners and, <laughs> and stop, uh, which, you know, the Hellcat does too, but this thing is kind of on the edge of, of uh, that kind of performance. I'm constantly comparing those modern muscle cars and thinking which one I like better. And I'll see a Camaro and I think that looks pretty good. But then I think now, the windows are too small, and it looks novelty like a Batmobile. Right. Then I see the Mustang and think that looks great. And then I see the Challenger. I see a white Challenger and think, that's understated and looks great as well. They they look great from the base model all the way up to the top. I think they're a fantastic car. But I, I feel the same way about the Mustang, which is odd for me because I'm a GM guy and I'm a Camaro guy, always have been. Uh, but the to me, the Mustang looks significantly better now than the Camaro does. What's the body shape change for this Shelby? Is it uh, it's so there will be no, you know, it's no great body shape change from the from the the Mustang itself. It's just this is the the highest performance version of that car. Um so, you know, I'm sure there'll be spoilers and splitters and all that kind of stuff, but it's going to look like it'll look like the Mustang. Do you like black wheels? No. Oh. <laughs> It's the worst. I, if anybody out there, like, I think you need to be under the age of 35 to like black wheels. I, I really, it looks like the bottom of the car has disappeared to me. I saw, I, I saw kind of a higher end car that somebody put black wheels on. Maybe a, maybe a BMW or something. And I thought, God, Craig Fitzgerald would hate that. It's the worst. It's the absolute worst. You know what's funny? My, so my, for Christmas, we got my son a, an Xbox. And we got him Forza, uh, the you know video game, and it's pretty cool. I'm not a video game guy, but it's pretty cool that you can go and kind of build these cars and spec them out the way you want. And he went and built a oh no, my daughter built a 911 air cooled 911, very cool car, 
and she painted the wheels black. And it was like that it looks horrendous. It looks wrong with those black wheels on it. So how did you deal with that? Did you say nothing? I know. I told her it looked wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Did you explain why? Yeah, and she told me I was wrong because I'm an old man. Is that you know? the, is that the thing? It's a it. You have to be under the age of 35 to like black black wheels. I think. I think so too. And you like what is it you like? You have a particular brand and style. You I like, like uh, American race. Well, you know, for certain cars, I like an American racing torque thrust. They you can't go wrong with that wheel. Um, and I like on. Cars like the 911, I love the stock Fuchs wheels. I think they're great looking. Uh, but I like mini lights too. Those those are always always a, a good choice. Okay, let's go to Jay and Quincy. Jay called us uh, to find out. Well, we'll find out what he wants to find out. Hey, Jay. Good evening, guys. I, I just wanted to to give you a, um, a heads up here. It's a little bit past my bedtime, but uh, I bought a Honda CRV 2013. I actually leased it. And uh, an older brother um, who does very well um, paid off the, the remaining balance. We we purchased the car. We bought the car, and I got the title with it. Um, and he, he didn't tell me this in, until a, until a situation occurred. But the drive shaft had went on the Honda, and I called two or three dealerships in my area, and I did some research. I found out I had the Honda care, the extended warranty bumper to bumper, yep. hundred thousand miles or, or, uh, 2021. But I had a really hard time, um, uh, getting, getting them to exercise the, 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 to do the repair. And I just wanted to mm. share that with you guys. You, you had, a, you, you had a hard time getting the dealership to honor the warranty. Yes, I had a call. I had a call Honda Care out in in California on three occasions within the same day, huh. um, and the drive shaft's very expensive. Um, yeah. for me it is. It was. It, it was. It started out at thirty five hundred dollars and it went up to thirty eight. And when I called Honda Care, that that you know um, did the did the deal for the for the warranty, they assured me over the phone like on two occasions, you're bumping a bumper, we'll yep. cover it. And then when I went to the dealership out in Norwood, you know, I mean, to be honest with you guys, they balked at it. Yeah. They're like, we're not touching it, we're not doing it. And, you know, it almost went to the next level where huh. my brother's an attorney, you yeah, know, he was right. gonna call them, you know? And everything came out well and good, yep. but, um, I, I just want to share this with you guys and the listeners that if you do have a warranty and you paid really good money up for it up front, I think this was fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, stick to your, stick to your guns with them. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Yep. Um, How many because, miles were on uh, it? How many miles were on it? Just out of curiosity, uh, seventy-one, sir. Yeah, right. So you're, you know, you're. And, getting... and the car's in mint condition. I mean, everybody yep. says it, but I, I'm mechanically inclined. It's, yep. it's a very good car. It's very clean. Yeah, um, I mean, and you know, you you definitely know that's an it's an interesting thing. We had this conversation coming in, um, you know, with uh, one of the other DJs on on one of the other stations was interested in buying a mini. Uh, countryman and he said well you know yeah. i've heard that they're expensive you know that like parts are expensive and it's like man everything's expensive now like, everything's I don't care, right I, you buy a honda you buy a ford something serious goes wrong thirty five hundred dollars is is you know i mean that's like middle of the road expense on a lot of this stuff 
I know people Got that it. have that you know that I, a friend of mine just bought or he was driving a um, 2015 uh, Buick Envision, which is the small, uh, tiny SUV, and 70, yep. 70,000 miles the engine went like dead on uh, the highway, uh, and right outside of warranty too. And you know it was looking like they weren't going to give him any help either. But I think that's kind of been resolved. You've got to fight with this stuff, even if you have a warranty. Sometimes, as you found out. You got to fight with these people, and and it's not necessarily the manufacturer that's the problem. Sometimes, uh, so you, you know, I can see I can see where a dealer would say, "Hey, look, man, your engine's out of you know, you're out by fifteen hundred miles. There's really not much yep. we can do at the dealer level. You really got to get going with the manufacturer. But when it's when yep. you've got an extended warranty on something and you're within the mileage and the and the time that I mean, that shouldn't be any questions asked." I, I thank you, thank you, thank you. Because yeah. what one thing that I noticed, and I'm, I'm not going to try and tie up your times, is, but I, I am street smart, and I'm, I'm I consider myself an intelligent person. The first dealership that I called with Honda was South of Quincy. I'm not going to say the name. I don't want to bash anybody out here. Yeah. But uh, when I got into it, I said I have, you know, the extended warranty, and it's bumper to bumper. And I did my research. Yeah. Um, the first dealership, they this was just pre-Christmas. They said, yeah, we can take your car uh, the third week in January. Yeah. I was like, yeah. So that's what? you're right. That's another issue too. I mean, that's that that's not necessarily their fault necessarily because. Look, it's Christmas time. They get a lot going on. They, you know, are they putting you to the back of the line because you have the extended warranty? I don't. I don't know. Um, but you know that that Honda Care warranty is a Honda provided extended warranty. You paid through Honda. You bought it with the car when you bought when you bought the thing. There's a lot of like w- w- this is one lesson for a lot of people. If you're having the issue with that extended warranty, there's a ton of extended warranty companies out there that are not affiliated with a brand. You know, they're kind of, you know, and they may have a they may have a decent reputation, but sometimes the dealers don't don't want to deal with that stuff. Uh, and you may have to fight with them to get them to to actually honor the thing. So, uh, well, I'm gl- I'm glad that worked out and I'm glad it got fixed for you. He mentioned his car was in mint condition. Yep. What's that word come from mint? I think from the mint, right? Freshly so minted. French freshly minted. That's exactly where it came from. All right. Okay, uh, give us a shout, 888-929-1030. Anything else to think about as far as the Detroit Auto Show? Um, yeah, so Subaru's got uh, a, a really, really hot version of the STI that we did not get in the United States for quite a while. So it's the S209 uh, is kind of what everybody's anticipating that they're going to see there. Uh, and I think even you know Subaru has kind of tweeted out some things that that confirm that um, that's going to be a pretty pretty wild car. Um, we've I, did we did you take a ride in the STI with me when I had it? No, that's a WRX. It's WRX yeah. STI, yeah. So that's the highest performance version of that. And then we didn't get the ultimate version of that here in the United States until uh, the 2019 model year. So what are that's your thoughts exciting. on that kind of car? Um, I I think they're the way it looks tremendous. Oh, I love the way they look. I really it's do. Like a regular car, only with a wing on it and a, a scoop. My my favorite thing about the WRX is that you don't have to buy the wing on it. You can buy that car and make it look like any old Impreza driving around. And it, you know they're really really fun to drive. They're a blast. They're not like visceral v8 power like you'd get out of a challenger or you know any kind of muscle car but they are really fun to drive um and and a a fun handling car and and there's a lot to learn in an in an all-wheel drive car about how they handle and uh i think it's a you know it's a real learning experience for a lot of people who are new to that kind of car do wings on a non-racetrack situation function or not they really. just not really they're just for looks i mean you know unless you know until you get up into you know extremely high speeds they don't do much of anything um you know they do provide at high speeds they provide downforce um you know they kind of they kind of push the push the car down into the track but you're talking you know a hundred plus miles an hour to get 
any real impact out of out of something so like the, that. The 208 was Japan only. 209, yep. Yep. The, the, no, the 208. S208. Uh, Whatever. It used yeah, to be right, Japan only. Right. Right. Why is that? They didn't figure Americans would want that? No. So there were I I don't know what the issue was with uh Subaru specifically, but a lot of times these are home market cars that you have such a small uh enthusiast base to yeah. begin with. And then there's also, well, it's got to be federalized. It's got to be crash tested. It's got to be, uh, you know, uh, it's got to pass cafe so it's regulations. It's, it kind of is. It, it's not a big and, and it becomes a big, bigger pain all the time to go sell what five hundred cars. Uh, it's it's kind of a stretch. But. You know, something we never talked about is drifting. Yeah, it's an automotive phenom. It was big for a while. They even had movies about it. Yep. So uh, what the heck was it? And what were the how, where did it come from, and what were the? I don't know where ramifications it came from. It? I it was like it was the, the it was the the coolest part of any you know uh, uh, road course is watching some guy you know try to try to come into a corner and he's got the car completely sideways to to you know get get the car to hit a corner. So it was basically taking the coolest part of any race and just making it all that. It yeah. was just, you know, okay, we're just going to go sideways in a circle. Always in the corner. Right. So it was like, you know, get get the car sideways and, you know, there's two cars on the track and we're just going to drive them around in circles, smoldering the tires off. And I don't know, I don't really know that much about it because it wasn't, it was never my thing, but it was like figure skating where you had like, you know, the Russian judge and the Korean judge and they'd hold up numbers at the end. Like it wasn't like a race. It was a like an aesthetic performance kind of a thing more than, you know, speed. I like your analogy to the ice skating. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. It was a, it was a little bit of a different kind of a thing, which, and it was huge for a while. Uh, and I think my favorite thing about it was cars that nobody thought about for an awful long time, all of a sudden became the car. So like the, the Nissan 240SX, which nobody paid attention to in this country whatsoever when it was new in the 80s, all of a sudden became the car that everybody wanted. And they internationally, those cars just took off in value. Uh, and they're they're still relatively expensive today. We have both had one of those cars. I, I had a Sentra. You had a uh, I had a Sentra I had SER. A nice, the 240SX. Yeah, you had the 240SX. I loved it. It was, it was go-kart. Yeah, it was awesome. like a go kart. Yep, rear drive, five yeah. speed, really fun to drive. Um, I they're great looking, but for one reason or another, I think it was right at that time when front wheel drive was kind of a thing, and it seemed like every car was going to front wheel drive. And then there was this old dinosaur that uh, you know that came along, and it was it was rear drive, and and really nobody bought them here. Isn't front wheel drive boring? It can be. It was more for packaging than anything. Really was packaging that was high. that was why the manufacturers pushed it so hard because they could build a six passenger car in the space of a four passenger car. So when they downsized a lot of things like the the you know the Delta eighty eight for example went from a big B body, you know, huge trunk, uh, lots of passenger room, and the only way that they could get six people in that thing was to make the cabin enormous. And then all of a sudden with front-wheel drive, where you lose that drivetrain, you gain a lot of space inside, uh, you, can, you can build a much smaller car and, uh, and still advertise it as a five- or six-passenger sedan. How many people have passengers? Not, not ki- many anymore. kids, I guess. I mean, nobody's using five anymore, everybody's that's for sure. Al- everybody's alone. I, I, wouldn't, yeah. I don't think I would pay bunch of money for extra passenger space because i just wouldn't i don't want to take anybody anywhere i think at the time people thought much differently about about cars and you know it's a family and, thing but the weird Go thing is the beach everybody right pile in right pile in so nobody does that anymore yet you cannot sell a pickup truck without uh room for five people anymore you can't you you basically any you know a regular cab pickup they basically don't make them anymore they do but they they're so well, hard to using come the by. extra space or just mentally they wanted it I think mentally they wanted it they wanted to convince whoever it was at home that they could take the kids around with it if they needed to but 
I drive by a lot of people in pickup trucks on the way to work in the morning, and I yeah. hardly see anybody with anybody in the car with them. Yeah. And they've, you know, you know, the you you the the cabs are enormous. It's tough to park them, um, but that's what sells now. Back to drifting. Basically, it seems like it's taking what you do when you take a car and do donuts in a parking lot. Right. And it's the fun part of yeah, of exactly. It's like donuts. how do we? It, it's it's like they came to they came into it backwards. Like oh, this is this is cool, man. I like doing donuts in a parking lot. How can we invent a competition around just doing that? I always think of, I, I saw it done in a parking garage. So it's got that curve going yep. around up. I mean, you're going up or down, which I'm, makes it pretty exciting with the yeah. walls right next to you. To, right. So you don't hit the walls. Yep. That was the Tokyo Drift. Tokyo that was the, Drift. Uh, uh, a movie, um, right? Yeah. It was one of the Fast and Furious movies. It was That was one of the stunts that they did it was inside a parking garage. In one of those, you know, giant ramps that yeah. just goes up like a corkscrew. I remember it being pretty impressive. It is really impressive when you see it, and when you can kind of laugh it off. Really, when you, know, you kind of see it from afar, and you go, "Yeah, I don't know what this is all about," but when you see it done in person, it's it's pretty dramatic. Uh, Joe in Pennsylvania. Let's talk to Joe. Joe, hello, <clears throat> Joe. Hey, Hi Joe. Guys, great show as usual. Thank you. What can we do for uh, you? I've uh, inherited a 2011 Jeep Cherokee uh, from from my mother who passed away, and my question is: um, it has 40,000 miles, eight years old. The pros and cons, and your feelings about it. A lot of friends have said, "Why do you want it? Sell the thing. Mm -hmm. It's in great shape. You know, kept in a garage. You know, it's the old quote, little lady car kind of thing." But your yep. feelings about the Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pros and cons of it. So it's the Cherokee, not the Grand Cherokee, right? I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. It's a Jeep Compass. I, I, oh, Compass. It, all right. Yes, so I'm so I'm going to I'm going to tell you right now move that thing along. I okay. would I I you know the the compass is sort of the it's a it's about the lowest end that you could you can buy as a Jeep. Um there in that era I'm trying to remember if in 2011 I'm pretty sure it had the CVT rather than the um the conventional automatic transmission, so uh, and and not the greatest CVT. One of the that. earlier CVTs. Yeah, and uh, so you know they've they've been known to have some transmission issues. Um, honestly, they're not worth a lot, and everybody, every single person that I know that has had a Compass, uh, they've gotten seventy five, eighty thousand miles out of them, and they're done. They're they're, you know, they're they're just non functional. Uh, after a certain period of time, I've never hear, heard a more negative review come. Yeah, from you. it's You're a, always Mister. <laughs> Mister. Well, you know what else, guys? The gas tank's thirteen and a half gallons. I feel like I'm constantly filling it up. Yeah, that's true too. It's it's um it it was it, they were basically a way at that time to get people into a Jeep product without having to spend a lot of money, and they they were cheap. They were basically the cheapest you know all wheel drive SUV you could purchase. And, you know, it, it, the Compass today is actually a pretty nice vehicle. The new one is, is a pretty smart little vehicle. That one, not the greatest. Based on a Mitsubishi uh, a platform, uh, it was basically the same car as the Mitsubishi Eclipse, uh, and it was kind of stretched and prodded into an SUV, and it just, it just never worked out right. Um, so, you know, you see a lot of them on, like, rental fleets and stuff, that's kind of an indication that you know they couldn't get them. They, they couldn't get rid of them in the in the conventional real uh, uh, retail market. So they kind of went to the the rental market. Uh, it, not a not a great vehicle. So you say even though it's free and it has forty thousand miles, well, move it along. It's free. I would I would strike while the iron was hot and get the money out of it. So I think gotcha. there's probably a few bucks in it. 
Uh, but but I wouldn't want to be holding that thing after it got to 75, 80,000 miles. Thank Sounds you like it's a liability waiting to happen. Thank yeah. You. Good luck. Thank you, guys. Bye now. Yeah. Wow. Usually you're Mr. Craig, Mr. Look at the bright side. Yeah. I'm, there is not much bright side in that. I just, <laughs> a good friend of mine bought one, loved it. Which was surprising to me because I just I looked at it every day in the parking lot like, oh, God, what are you Shook doing driving head. that what thing for? What are you for? doing, guys? And he loved it and drove it for the entire time I knew him. And then uh, two months ago, it had, you know, had 75,000, 80,000 miles. It was non-functional, done. And to get it back running again was going to be 3,500, four grand. I mean, that's, that, that's all that thing was worth at that point. So uh, he... Literally threw the car away. They gave him a few bucks at the dealership, and he bought a Toyota pickup. Okay. Well, I was walking down Newbury Street, and I see, I don't know, I see these sports cars. Ferrari, Lamborghini, yep. you know, that's showing off. I can't imagine it would be any fun to own one of those. Wouldn't it just be, wouldn't you just be scared to death that you get a dent? Why do people own them, I guess? Well, I think they, those people don't have uh, Bradley J money. You know, those those people have uh, have uh, Steve Mnuchin money. Yeah, and for them, it's like, hey, I got I got a dent in my, you know, uh, seven hundred fifty thousand dollar car. It's like you getting a dent in your, uh, you know, Buick LeSabre. It, it you know it may be a bummer, but it's not a life altering kind of an issue like it is for 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 you you know what i mean yeah is it fun driving in the city i mean you love cars but when you're in the city do you still love them or do you uh, think it depends i, I, I mean i hate sitting and i just hate sitting in constant traffic but driving in the city can be a lot of fun like you and i have experienced Sturro drive and something late at night uh it can be a lot of fun yeah right yeah and uh, once you get out of you know even massachusetts once you get way out west it's a whole different thing. Like 93 well, above Tilton, New Hampshire is nice. Right, right. And, and you know, I, I really think, like, people underutilize roads like the uh, the VFW Parkway and, you know, all of those kind of roads late, you know, later at night when, when traffic isn't so bad. Those are really fun roads to drive on uh, coming out of the city. And even things like, hey, I like showing off. I'll yeah. show off on Newbury Street like everybody else does. I love that. Okay. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, so there was a, I have a friend who has a friend who had one of these and he said the best day, the two best days when he got it, when he got rid of it, he was so yeah. relieved. Like owning a boat. <laughs> yeah, I guess right. he was so relieved. And I thought, and I think it was like 400 grand. And I just thought, man, if I lived downtown and I had 400 grand and spent 400 grand, I would get, I would, the services of a limo. I, yeah. I would have somebody that was, a limo driver, masseuse, bodyguard. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily want like, to own a car like that. In, you know, if I was now. if I lived in the city constantly, that that probably wouldn't be what I'd be what what, what I'd enjoy. I used to see a lot of people driving Defender 90s in the city. Uh, you know, the Land Rovers, the yellow right. ones look, you know, old boxy things. Those look pretty cool. Those you could have some fun with. You didn't see a lot of those around at the time. Uh, but that would be more fun in the city to me. I can't imagine you really showing off on Newbury Street. It's, would you really? Sure. What vehicle would you do that with? I don't know. Pick one. What do, we, what do you want to show off on Newbury Street on? We the could Corvette, do that in Hellcat. We could do that in a Corvette. Corvette. All right. I love it. I All love right. showing off. All right. Fair enough. Let's go to Jim in New York, who's going to have a question, I guess. Hi, Jim. Hi, Hi Bradley. How are you today? We're great. Hey, I got a 2014 Chevy Cruze. You guys hear any bad reports about it? Uh, it'll it'll probably run forever. Um, you I know. don't know. I've had 35,000 miles I've put on. It's been fantastic. But lately, it's either a little skip. I don't know if it's ignition coil. Or uh, I notice also that when it kicks up the last gear on the transmission, was it like an eight-speed transmission yeah. in there? Yeah, yep. It's when it gets about 65 to 70, it goes from 3,500 to 2,500. RPM, uh, I feel a little skip once in a while in okay. the last year. Huh. I don't know if it's a tranny issue. You can't even check the transmission. There's no dipstick. No, there's, there's uh, not. There's not. You know, and there's not not a lot to be learned, even if you even if you could pull the dipstick on it. Um, you know, you it, change the transmission fluid on that. Do you think? 
I don't even. I mean, is is there? Can you even trade? Can you change it, or do you have to have it flushed out? Uh, is it flushed or drop the pan? Right. Uh, uh, I you know. Thoughts on that. I would say I'd bring it to somebody. It's not throwing any codes, right? So you're not getting a check engine light or a service engine or anything. I do have a check engine light, but it's got something to do with a something about the uh, sensor that there's it's near the valve. You got to pull the valve cover off. There's a sensor. There's a recall. On it, I understand. Somebody was telling me. Okay, it's, so uh, if, you, if you've got a service engine light on that, then you got to yeah. you got to you got to bring it to a dealer. Basically, I mean, I, you, that's not a hundred percent true, but it's a good thing to do, and have them look at it and see if see what that exactly is, what that code that it's throwing is, because that could be a transmission code. You know, okay. Um, you you don't know until you've actually had it run, uh, and you know if you've got a if you've got a service engine light on, then you yep. got you got to get that turned off because that's that's causing other issues down the road too. So you got to okay. get that straightened out. What's the bumper bumper? Five years, hundred thousand, or something like that. I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure, but you should probably Check still be it. under warranty, right? All right, thank you. All right, Have man. Take it easy. Bye bye. The codes, do the codes come with the manual so you know what the codes mean? Um, you can find the codes online. Uh, so if you're, you know, you, but you need a code reader uh, to figure it. So there's an OBD port that's right on, you know, usually right where your f legs go underneath the steering wheel. Yeah. There's a little port. Uh, you get an OBD2 reader at, uh, you could go to an auto parts store and they have a reader plug that thing in it'll tell you exactly what the code is and then you know you can go online and say oh this is a p you know 207 or whatever it is why don't and, they and just have the thing have a screen that well see that's what we're getting to stick something in there you, you just look at it and go oh p207 and then right. look it up right we're getting there so we, we will we will get there that i mean and it's not far off um, where you're going to actually, those codes are going to be, you know, shown on the dashboard rather than having just an idiot light um, that, that says, you know, service engine soon. Um, they, they, you know, basically they didn't have that technology when they put OBD, you know, in every car. So that onboard diagnostic thing has been around since, uh, OBD2 has been around since 96. So it's, you know, that's pre- you know, having displays and all that kind of stuff. So the only thing they had was an idiot light. What's OBD stand for? Onboard diagnostics. Uh -huh. So you know that that's that's been around for quite a while. It's been since the '80s, and then OBD two was the upgraded version of that that kind of told you everything that was wrong with the car. And there's thousands of codes. Um, How often is check engine light caused by leaving the gas cap off? That's pretty. It's not very often really? anymore. It used to be a big deal, right? So you check that first first thing. You, oh, you you know you gotta you gotta you know check engine light, check make sure your gas cap's on. And if it's, if it's that's done, it, you go, oh, that was it. Then right. you can just can you reset it by unhooking the battery cables? If that's it, then it, then it'll go out by itself. Oh, all right. Um, but but usually what it is is an O2 sensor or a coolant temp sensor or but it could be a million things. The cars or a have a combination of things. So when that check engine light comes on, that's the that's the unfortunate part about the check engine light is that people look at it and they go, oh, it's orange. That must not be so bad. And I can drive this car another 15,000 miles before I think about fixing it. But what happens is when the O2 sensor is bad, then everything else kind of kicks in to compensate for that. So, or, you know, you've got, you know, some, you know, you've got many things going on that are trying to compensate for a bad O2 sensor. So, okay. Does all this digital monitoring, is it worth it? Why can't you yeah. just build a car that's mechanically way better than ever? Just the basics, standard, everything's wicked good, but there's no, there are no sensors or anything. Well, there have to be sensors to make sure that, so... When, when pre all of the sensors and stuff, right? So we're talking 1973, say, you had a carburetor, spark plugs, plug wires, a distributor, a distributor cap, right? Basically, that made all of these things work. And it was very imprecise. So your carburetor is just dumping some. 
kind of close approximation of how much fuel it needs into a the close combustion. approximation of the optimum mix. right right exactly it was just getting close and then the spark was like eh you know it'd Maybe be I'll good fire. If, it'd be good if it was firing here and we'll get pretty close to that now it's like you know fuel injection eliminated all of that it became very precise like we are going to inject exactly the amount of fuel we need in this okay. cylinder at the right time. So now you've got a coil pack, you've got no distributor. So and it's better. things are firing instantly, right? And you're going faster but and saving on fuel. In order to make all of that stuff work and compensate with some variation in the octane rating of the fuel, you've got to have sensors that say, "All right, we're monitoring, you know, what's going on in the exhaust uh, 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 you know, in that channel of exhaust that's coming out of the car. We're seeing that we've got some unburned hydrocarbons here, so we got to adjust the timing a little bit to compensate for that. Wow, you okay. can't do any of that without the sensors. Okay. So, so, no more so it's all better. Top dead center. Remember, you have to do that timing-wise? Still to have to do that. You still have to do that when you're building the engine, but the the you know oh okay you know this distributor has to be turned a half a degree this way so that we've advanced the timing a little bit uh that's all gone that's all over sheila and lynn how you doing uh good thank you how are you great hi sheila hi how are you good how's it going um very good very good um i love listening to your show oh, good. um I have a, a kind of different question to ask. Um, okay. I'm calling in regards to, I'm researching some information um, in regards to custom vans. Oh, sure. And RV campers. Um, at some point, I would like to retire and go cross country. Oh, great. Um, so <laughs> it's a dream. Yeah. Um, so my question, I, I kind of have like three questions that are kind of tied in together. Sure. Um, so why are custom vans more expensive than an RV camper? Hmm. I mean, uh, almost like 20 grand more. I'm not sure. So okay. uh, I, I, I'm really not sure. And, and I'll take a couple of guesses. Um, the, the van that they're based on is not cheap anymore. Right. So, mm -hmm. so I, I, you know, the, the, the van, it used to be that the vans were, you know, Ford Econoline, uh, Chevy G series and Dodge's, whatever Dodge's van was. And they were all basically the same. They were body on frame. They were cheap, super cheap. And then the conversion companies would throw an interior in them. And, and that's, that's, you know, basically it. And you could buy those pretty inexpensively. The vans that are available now are a lot more expensive. So, like the the Ford Transit and the um, the Do the uh, Dodge, I can't remember what that is called, but they're more expensive than than the vans that that I remember as as conversion vans. Mm -hmm. But you know, as far as how much uh, how much I don't I I haven't really paid much attention to the market. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, you, so what have you been looking at? You've been looking at a converted, um, Ford transit. Exactly. And yeah. Then, and so then, like, I haven't really found a custom van yet. Yep. It, it, for some reason, I don't even think you can get them around Massachusetts. There, um, they used to be everywhere. And now I mean, I can't think of the last one I've seen. So that may be part of the expense too. Yeah, some people say it's more out towards, like, California and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm like, cool, wait a minute. Yeah. Um, I did, for my first time, look at an RV camper. What did you look um, at? Oh, I knew you were going to ask uh -huh. me. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm totally new with this. Do you, um, do you remember, uh, what was it based on? Was that based on a van also? Or was it no, a... No, no, it was a regular RV camper, but it. it was a drivable one. Got it. Um, which w I was, at first I was petrified to get in to drive it. I've never driven a camper. Yeah. Um, but, oh, my God, it was the most comfortable driving oh, thing. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I can do it? this. How big is it? Um, it was 24. Does right. that sound right? 24, so 24, 24 it was small. is not that big. And, no. you know, and, and you know, I... 
uh, honestly, I mean, it seems like a custom. Is it just you, or or are you going to be going with somebody else? Um, at some point, it probably will be just me, but probably two to start. Right. Um, so so you know it it's very it, comfortable though. It doesn't need to be huge, but no, you've got a no, lot. Not at all. You've got a lot more you know comfortable living space in something that's a that, that that's an RV uh, mm-hmm. rather than. You know, here, you know, we've got a van and, and, you know, those vans are, they offer a lot more space than they used to, especially in the height part, but yep. they're, they're not really designed to be something that you live in. Right. So you're, you're, you know, the RV is definitely, I think the, the better way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, you know, they, they build a lot of those things and they, it seems like, and I've, I've looked at this only from the outside a little bit, but it seems to me like whatever the list price is on those things, you end up spending actually half what the list price is because they, they, they need to move inventory on those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you can get a pretty good deal on some of those. And it's nice because you can park those like on the road. Yes. With, like you can park them just like you park a car. Yes, exactly. As opposed when you get into the bigger ones, you can't. You, yep. You've got a... Um, so if I'm going cross country, I want to be able to not have to look for a trailer park or someplace yep. that I have to park it. Yep. Um, I want to be able to get in and get out, yep. do what I have to do, sightsee and travel or whatever. Yeah, and you can drive um, that in town without having to tow a vehicle with you and all of that kind exactly. of stuff. The one thing I do notice, I have some friends who have RVs, and, and you know, this was you know something I noticed about them is they bought the smallest one they could buy, you know, mm-hmm. RV, and then really quickly traded it into something that was a little bit bigger. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that was because it was two of them and, you know, they, they were, you know, staying in mostly campgrounds. They don't tow anything with them, but they do, right. they did, you know, opt for one that was a little bit bigger. But if mm-hmm. you can live with a smaller space, you know, those, the, the RVs are pretty nice. And they're nice okay. to drive, right? I mean, they're it's a it's amazing. Oh my amazing. god, I got in it, and I at first I was scared to death, but once I got in it, I was like, "This is really nice." Yeah, very very comfortable. Yeah, and once very, you, I very think, comfortable. I think once you get familiar with how they operate, and you start, you know, it's like anything else. And you know, in 2019, it's got a backup camera, uh, relatively yep. easy to to operate. So uh, I think you're probably in the right direction with that. Yeah, very easy to maneuver. Now, do you know where they sell the custom vans around here? No, I really don't. I mean, they used to sell yeah. them at every single car dealership. I mean, everybody yeah. that sold a van used to have half a dozen conversion vans. I haven't seen one in years, um, yeah. so I yeah. really don't know. Uh, I haven't paid much attention to that market for for a long time. Um, right. So, you know, most of the like, uh, I don't know where they're making conversions, but most of the RVs and that kind of thing come out of Indiana. Uh, there, there's a huge production of those things. There's like companies all along the highway in Indiana that, that, uh, manufacture the RVs, but I'm not sure who's doing the conversion. So, so, you know, now you're starting with something, you know, you're, you're starting with a van that probably costs 40, 40, $45,000 to begin with, and then doing a conversion on top of that versus something that they could probably sell you for 50 grand kitted out with, you know, everything you could possibly want in, in an RV. So that's probably exactly, yeah, exactly because yep. There's Midwest Automotive Designs custom built conversion van sales. Oh, there's one quality Boston, Massachusetts custom conversion van sales. If you look it up online, you might find something. Yeah, definitely. Okay, all All right, right. awesome. All right, well, thanks. It was good talking to you. Good luck. I want to. I want to hear where you end up going too. I definitely will. All right, thanks. All right, take care. Bye. One thing that might be fun for Sheila if she hadn't done it is get RV magazine. Yeah. For a while, I had uh, an idea I was going to do that, too. Then I got RV Magazine. I got, there were two of them. Yep. One's called RV, whatever. It's like from the RV Association or whatever it was. Something. There's a bunch of mags for that, as you can imagine. And one thing that I noticed after a while was that most of the articles were about how to fix stuff that went wrong. Yep. And then I started running the numbers thinking, wow, for for what this thing costs, I could go to a lot of hotels. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That that's exactly the issue. And and you know, I, I've I have friends of mine that have built their own RVs, like converted school buses and stuff, and it looks awesome. It looks like a blast, but it's like one more thing that I would probably not get finished, you know. 
And I, 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 the idea of it sounds great to me. I, I spent a lot of time in trailer parks when I was a kid, nice ones. Yep. And it was it was like I, I loved it. That was my youth, uh, and I'd love to do it again, but um, I'd have to do it the right way, I think. What about not a, an RV but a tent, regular car and just a tent kind of camping out stuff? Yeah, I could do that. I, I, I could definitely do that. I don't know if I could convince my wife to do that. There's just so many systems in these things that can go wrong. Yeah. You have the plumbing system, the septic system, the, you know, what else? Well, you got an in electrical addition, system. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, the thing is. You got to empty the can. Right. The only, the, the, and all of that is, you know, that's sort of part doable. of, part doable. of doable, yeah, sort of doable. But the, the thing that kind of concerns me is like, what's the standard in construction in these things? Oh, yeah. You know, like, are they kind of thrown together? Like, I don't know what's, you know, I, I can talk about the engine. I know, you know, if it's a, you know, diesel from, you know, uh, international or whoever it is, I, I know what that's about. But I don't know about the rest of the thing. Like, I don't know how they built it. I don't know what their standards are. Yeah. I would trust something from Airstream that started with a Mercedes van. That'd be pretty nice to start with. Yeah. I don't know about, you know, the lower tier of these things. I don't know how good they are. So, Sheila, two things. Get a couple of RV magazines, and you can rent. <coughs> you could rent an RV that's yes. in the ballpark that you think you might like just to try it out and see if you actually like that lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. I'd love to do that. I have friends of mine who have done that, and they had life-changing, really? really fun vacations. How Any ballpark on how much that costs? Not really. It was, it was, if I remember correctly, it was expensive, but it was like no more expensive than getting a hotel room for you and your family. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you go anywhere and it's going to cost you two grand for a week in a, in a, you know, if you've got kids, you got two hotel rooms. It's a lot of money. Two grand. So, you know, if you're on vacation for a couple of weeks, it costs you a couple of grand. It makes a lot of sense. Okay. So, Craig Fitzgerald, bestride.com. As always, you're, you're a winner. You're a great guy, and I'm, I thank you for coming out late at night. Absolutely. As I always. Love and we have to hang out soon in a rock and roll way. Yes. That was another Jay Talking Podcast. If you loved what you heard, like the show and leave a review. It helps people find us. Subscribe to Jay Talking at iHeart.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. That way, you never miss an episode. Follow me on Twitter for show updates. And as always, you can catch the show every weeknight starting Sunday, midnight to 5 on WBZ Boston's News Radio. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.